You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. Let's join in for this week's message. The title of this message is Plan A. Plan A. Listen, when God began to establish us, DCC, as a body, He really began to work and bring forth... uh, it start showing me things that he's bringing, uh, he's changing the face of the church. He's bringing order and correction. And, and, uh, and so now this year, it's like that order and that correction brings forth transformation. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And in this, in the things, the new things that are coming is a new perspective. And I'm telling you, transformation in our perspective is the most radical transformation that has to take place. Our perspective. And the word perspective means a mental view, a visible scene, inner relation in which a subject or its parts are mentally viewed. The capacity to view things in their true relations or relative importance. And why this is so important is because the transformation that has to take place in perspective is on the inside. Remember, we've always taught thoughts become words. Words become actions. Actions become habits. Our habits become our character. And it all starts on the inside. It all starts on the inner dialogue that's going to take place on the inside of us. Perspective is one of the most radical transformations. And I use that word radical because our problem is we're insecure. Fear, doubt, shame, pride, comfort, security. We like to reason out the risks. Come on, are y'all with me? See, there's a battle going on for our perspective. The way we view things mentally. The way we approach life. The way we approach life. There is a onslaught trying to get to our perspective it's coming at us from every side every angle and it's trying to transform our mental view and approach come on to life see none of those things comfort and security and reasoning out the written none of that stuff's bad But the problem is you can't go through life expecting 
to not have any struggles, to not come up against opposition. You can't go through life not expecting that you'll never fail. Come on, you can't go through life expecting that there's not going to be some hardships, that there's not going to be some pain. We don't like pain. Right? See, you can't go through life thinking that none of that's coming at you. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be frustrations. There's going to be different, uh, there's going to be losses. There's, come on. It's coming for you. See, when you try to live without struggles and hardships and the pain, what happens is, is you settle for plan B. And go on and write this down and put it on your icebox. Plan B is for losers. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I really think, you know, plan B. Plan B is for losers. Come on. Nobody loads up horses and practices ropings and practices for weeks to go to a rodeo to plan to lose. That's never the plan. You never plan to go sit in a tree somewhere and not see nothing. Come on. Plan A always gets me back in the tree. Plan A always gets me saddling up. Plan A always gets me loading back up. Plan A. God didn't create you for average, and God didn't create you for plan B. Do you see why perspective is so radical? It's so radical. We went and watched that Jesus Revolution movie last night. What a radical move of God. I'm talking about a bunch of loafer suit wearing people couldn't catch the whole move of God because the people that God was moving in was barefooted, smelled, and didn't take care of themselves. Just like now, there's a move of God in a generation, a millennial generation is Gen Zs who are so confused about what gender they are. They're wearing ears and tails. Come on. You, you can't imagine that God can move in that. But I'm telling you, they're just looking for the same truth we're all looking for. It's just in a different package. And if you get bogged down in the methods... You're going to miss the messenger. And so you better change your perspective. Come on. Man, that song, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Break down the walls of all my religion. Tear them down. All my traditions. Because I'm telling you, when Jesus walked on this earth in the flesh, 
the scribes and Pharisees had been studying and looking for the Messiah for thousands of years and he was right in front of them and they were saying, show me, and they missed him because they had too much tradition and too much religion. Come on. But when you change your perspective in your mental view that struggles and pains, misfortunes and frustrations only forge God's character in you and brings in divine nature to make you a new creature in Christ, if you can change your perspective that the struggles and the failures and the bad decisions, the disappointments, it, uh, hey, the pain, it's forging God's divine nature and very character in you so that your habits become your character because your habit is God's for me, not against me. No matter what I see, no matter what I hear, no matter what I feel, God, what are you doing? Jesus said, John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. That's plan A. Plan A is that you're high above and not beneath. Plan A is that you're the head and not the tail. Come on. That's plan A. Plan A is that God called a people to be his own possession. Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's plan A. Plan A is that he gives you life and life abundantly. Everything else is a lie. And you have to change your perspective in order to begin to start saying, God, I don't care what my body feels like. I don't care. Come on. I don't care what my bank account looks like. I don't care if she got up and left this morning with the kids and everything. I don't care if she doesn't. Come on. I'll get it back. I'm going to change my perspective. I'm going to speak the word of God over this situation. Come on. See, people don't realize that before Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly, he said the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's always trying to do that with outside dialogue. Come on. Trying to get in and change plan A that you're high above. That you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Come on. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, causing all anxiety, casting all your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. Come on. We're living in a day right now when we need to cast all our cares on him because he cares. Come on, can you say that out loud? A lot of times we don't. We don't think we can. 
I, I, I've gotten into this here lately. Say it out loud. Let your flesh hear it. He cares for me. He cares for me. Because let me tell you something. The devil don't know what you're thinking. But when you start spitting it out of your mouth, he starts knowing what you're thinking. And when you're saying what God's word says, the devil's going, dead gummit. His perspective is changing. It's going to be hard to kill. And it's going to be hard to steal. And it's going to be hard to make him the tail. And it's going to be hard to get him back. Come on. When your inner dialogue starts spilling out into the outer dialogue, the enemy starts taking a step back. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But you start tearing down strongholds when you start repeating the word of God and you start saying it out loud and letting yourself hear it out loud. I've been texting and talking with a man that his son's got cancer and he keeps, and he's, he's, he, he keeps, I, 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 I see him trying to get over that hump and it's just, it's, it, the enemy is just breaking him down and I'm saying, say it out loud. I said, read this out loud. And when you read it out loud, read it again and read it louder. Until your faith begins to start getting some hope in it and start telling cancer it's got to go. Matter of fact, we're going to pray right now. Father, I thank you right now that that cancer in Gene's son has got to die right now. We tell it it has to dry up at the roots. Father, we come together. We call on the Savior, Jesus Christ, the physician that knows everything. And we tell that cancer that it's got to go. Holy Spirit, you know no boundaries. And I thank you right now that he is healed and we rebuke death on him. We rebuke every weapon formed against him will not prosper. And we call you healed and done in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. It's a radical transformation. But plan A is God's plan for you. Plan A is to get the promises of God to you. Come on, are y'all hearing me? Look what it says. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, he just breaks it down. The devil prowls about like a roaring lion Seeking someone to devour. Someone that isn't speaking it. Someone that's mental inside dialogue is saying, oh me, oh my. That's who he's looking for. Come on. That's who he's looking for. I don't want to be someone. Looking for someone to devour. Look what it says in verse 9. But resist him. Firm in your faith. Because what Jesus told Peter said, Satan demanded to sift you like wheat. 
but I've prayed that your ministry wouldn't fail. No. He said, I pray that your faith would not fail you. Firm in your faith. Come on, where's your faith? I'll tell you where your faith is. Your faith is where your inner dialogue is. Your inner dialogue saying the word of God has the last say. How many times do you hear people, well, you know what they say. I don't care what they say. God has the final say. God's word has the final say, and that needs to be the inner dialogue that's on the inside of you. When they say, the report says, come on, your inner dialogue has to start coming out. In Proverbs, it says, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraints. This is very important. Because vision calls discipline. For me and Wendy, vision calls discipline. Because we we had this in we, we had this vision what God wanted to do. And, and it causes discipline and it keeps us headed in that direction. It is plan A and you got to keep work. Let me tell you something. My inner dialogue could not settle for plan B no matter what they say. When it's, oh, well, it's good enough. No, it's not good enough because my inner dialogue would never let me quit. God will use a vision to discipline you. To get your inner dialogue lined up with his word. The devil wants to use your vision against you and get you to wallering around in your what? Man, you better hear me. Your what, your vision, your what. The devil wants you to waller around in it so that he can insert plan B that you won't be high above, that you won't be the head, that you won't be disciplined. Come on. And then your what ends up becoming your why and you end up wallering around in it. And he ends up taking you out. Don't let your what get you in a waller. Come on. Your what is never as important as your why. Plan A, Jesus' character his very nature, that's plan A that the world can see Jesus in you doing your what. Come on, does that make sense? Because there's going to be a many, a many a time that you're headed to your doing your what 
And the devil's always going to try to talk you out of it. Luke said it at our table Wednesday night. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. He said, he said many, his, his goal when he got saved was to be a Christian businessman. And he was at a pastor's office and the pastor, he was whining to the pastor. And he said, what are you going to do? You said you were going to be a Christian businessman. And reminded him, don't waller around in that. How many times has that happened, Luke? Too many. But you gather yourself back up and your inner dialogue has got to start repeating the word of God. God, you called me to be a Christian businessman. God, you called me to do this. God, I thank you. It doesn't matter what I see, what I hear, what I feel. It doesn't matter if I'm broke eating beans and cornbread. I've seen them eat beans and cornbread. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad thing. I love beans and cornbread. <laughs> you got to resist him firm in your faith. Your inner dialogue has to begin to rule this outside influence. Come on. Because the outside influences are always trying to take you out. Look what it says. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect confirm and strengthen and establish you to him be dominion. Come on, that word dominion is rule, control, power, and strength. To him be rule, control, power, and strength forever and forever. Mic drop, amen. Nothing else to be said. His word, come on, working perfecting, confirming. See, that's what has to be taking place. God's just working on me. God's just working on me. God's just working on me. Exodus 13. Man, this is so true. It says, God brought the people out of Egypt. He gets them out. And then all of a sudden, here comes, Pharaoh says, all right, y'all go. Well, then God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That always cracks me up. It says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Thanks, God. That's just what I needed. I needed an entire army breathing down my neck. And not only does God harden the heart of Pharaoh, but it looks like he led you in the wrong direction. How many times have you been there? This can't be God. There's no way out. And look what it says. 
lest this people, oh man. Now when Pharaoh had to, to had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearer. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence, <laughs> hence, whoo, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. Wow. God led them to a dead end because he didn't want them to get to a place where they had an opportunity to go backwards until he started changing the inner dialogue. Lest they change their minds. I can't tell you how many times settling came to us when the vision and the dream for what we had was bigger than one acre, two acres, ten acres. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? But we, I, listen, the inner dialogue on the inside of me could not, would not settle for one, two, three, ten, twenty. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? But something on the inside of me, every time we would come up against that. I've had prophets point their finger at me and tell me, just start with an acre. I'm like, shut up. I'm not sure who you prophesying for right now, but I'm telling you right now, Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? What are you settling for? What are you settling for? Because I'm not going to settle. It just, every time I get to that place where, oh man, I could just settle and settle down. After I snap out of it, I'm so mad at myself. How did I not see this? Come on. God is trying to forge internally in our minds and spirit that what we see externally is that he is and that he is enough. God longs for us to get in a desperate situation where we look like we're at our dead end and where it looks like, where, and where the devil thinks he's finally got us. And the devil's just sitting over there going, oh man, look at them. They're all over there wringing their hands, walking around, chewing that, chewing that gum. Look, they can't even spit. It's all cotton. And then all of a sudden, the wind starts blowing. Somebody gets the initiative to stand up and point at the dead end and begin to speak to it. And then 
not only does the water heap up on both sides, but the ground is totally dry. God wants to run the score up on your enemy. God doesn't just sit on a lead and say, oh, we're just going to hang out right here till the end. See, that's what gets me about the old doom and gloomers. It's the end days. We're all doomed. It's all gloom. Armageddon and everybody's hunkering down, hiding up. Come on. No. The, God wants us out there pointing at the Dead Sea, speaking to dry bones, telling them to come alive. Come on. Forging new paths. Come on. He's going to run the score up on the enemy. Numbers 13, 33. They couldn't never get the inner dialogue right. Couldn't never get it right. And sadly, moves of God have come throughout uh, this country's birth. And somehow... We haven't learned to facilitate those moves, you know, and it's just, it's how it is. Doesn't mean it's not God. God moves. God's moving here. And so we, we, we're learning. We're learning to get this inner dialogue set. Get our words being right. Come on. Not being... Fixed on what we see. Numbers 13, 33. They went in, 12 of them went in to spy out the land. 10 of them come back. There also we saw the Nephilim. The sons of Anak are part of the Nephilims and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. How important is your inner dialogue? Your inner dialogue is going to dictate what the enemy sees. The adversary, the devil. If your dialogue is doom, gloom, oh my goodness, I'm not going. You're whipped. You're not going to rise above. Come on. When your inner dialogue is that I'm the giant here, I'm the giant killer here, and all I need is a rock, if that's all I got. Come on, if a kid got it, if a kid a shepherd boy got it, we can get it. We can become giant killers. The adversary is only bigger than what our perspective of God is. <laughs> yeah, that needs to go right under that. Plan B sucks. Yeah. Our adversary is only bigger than our perspective of God. Because our lives are to be hidden in Christ. The enemy shouldn't see you. 
when the enemy looks at you, he should see you clothed in Jesus' righteousness, covered in his blood. Come on. That's what the enemy should see when he sees you. He should see Jesus because your life is hidden in Christ. Colossians 3, 3 says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then you got baptized, your life died. And now you're a new creature in Christ. Come on. Not only are you in Christ, but your life is hidden in Christ. And every time the enemy trying to bring up your old past, he's trying to work on your inner dialogue in the view, come on, that God's not big enough to forgive you of all your sins. Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go light all these candles. You're going to have to take off all that makeup. You're going to have to start saying, all, come on. Oh, the devil don't mind you being religious. Matter of fact, he likes you being religious. He just don't want you having a relationship. He loves all the traditions, the doctrines. Come on. You know what Paul called them? I dare to say most of these guys would get kicked out of most churches. Paul said, doctrines of demons and traditions of men. See, there's some things he just didn't mince words about. Come on. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10. David kills the giant. David comes in. He's Saul's armor bearer. Saul begins to get jealous. David's starting to go out, get a name for himself. He's fighting battles. He still, Saul becomes David's spiritual father. Saul becomes so close to David that when David cut his robe in the cave, it hurt him so bad that he dishonored and didn't respect the king that he went out and he said, my father, my father. That was the relationship that God put David there to learn how to be a king. So now Saul's becoming jealous because he was disobedient. He could never, Saul is the perfect example that, of somebody that couldn't get the inner dialogue lined up with God's word. And he allowed the carnal the exterior dialogue 
come on, dictate every move he made. Decisions. Now David's running. He's having to flee for his life. And it says, Then David arose, fled that day from Saul, and went to Achash, the king of Gath. But the servants of Achash said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of, his, of this one as they danced, saying, Saul slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David took these words to heart and greatly feared Achash, king of Gath, so he disguised his sanity before them and acted insane in their hands and scribbled on the doors of the gate and let his saliva run down his beard. <laughs> and man, right in the middle, it's like, it just jumped off the page and landed like a rock in my spirit. Plan A is always making him king. When Samuel looked at Saul in his disobedience, it was 15 years before David was even born and Samuel prophesied and told Saul because of your disobedience and you wouldn't do what God said, God has found a man after his own heart 15 years before David was even born. And 15 years after David was born, David was anointed to be king and went back to the sheepfold. Plan A was the ordained life that God had for him. God has an ordained life for you. David had to readjust. Come on. I, I'm back. I found myself here. It's a different route I'm having to take. But here's what got me. The enemy knows what God has declared over you. Because it said right here, the king of Gath, his people, this place of pressure, when you look up the word gath, it's pressure. It's where they would had uh, threshing floors and olive presses. It, it's a place of pressure. We're all going to go through the route through a place of pressure. And it's in those places of pressure where the enemy who knows what God declared over you, isn't this the king? He wasn't king yet. He was just an armor bearer. But the enemy recognized him as king. 
He wasn't the king. Saul was the king. But the enemy knows who you are. The enemy knows who you are. Look, Morgan. The enemy knows who you are, Josh Hilton. Coy Melanson, the enemy knows who you are. Ryan Spiegel, the enemy knows who you are. Andy Brawls, come on, y'all hear me. The enemy knows who you are. And he's trying everything he can, Logan Hunter. He's trying everything he can to derail plan A. He tries everything he can do. Because the enemy knows who you are. But God is always declaring, I know your future. I know the plans that I have for you. A plan for a future. I know, Deacon, I know your plans I have for you, son. I know. I know who you are. I called you by name. Before you was even a substance in your mother's womb, I knew who you were. I had ordained your days before yet there was even one of them. You are no accident. You've been called forth and the enemy knows your name. He knows that if you ever get a hold of who you really are, He's doomed. He's doomed to failure. He's doomed to have to give up the ground. He's doomed to have to sit back and watch you in your what doing your why. Come on. He's always going to bring loss and frustration and different disappointment to derail you. Always. David in Psalms 34, during that time when he went to Gath, during that time he wrote this psalm. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh, come on. This is his inner dialogue. The route may have changed. Come on. His position may have changed. Come on. There may be some loss. There may be some trying to regain some ground. There may be trying to figure out what God's doing. But here's what David said. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. Look what he said. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. It didn't say some, it said all. 
the angel of the Lord. Don't settle for just some. Come on, the Lord just, come on, Ranch Headquarters, just drop that. Somebody's settling for just some of my troubles being, come on, no, all my troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. I love verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. Come on, you are the saints. You are the saints. What a lie from the enemy that only certain men or women can be saints. When Jesus, when God said, we're all saints. We're just having to be equipped, come on, for the work of service. Come on, we're all saints. When pressure comes from the outside forces, our perspective and inner dialogue must be, he is my deliverer and my provider. You may not believe what God said about you, but I'm telling you the enemy does. And he's scared that one day you will believe it. You can bet the enemy is scared of you believing who God has declared you to be. Don't let your what dictate your why. You have faith in the fact that God's called you and has a plan A. Your internal dialogue must be, oh, magnify the Lord. Because our enemy knows exactly what he's declared over you. Trying to get us to focus on giants and mountains. Seeing ourselves as something that we are not. The enemy's always trying to convince you that you're something that you're not. David could have settled. Oh, it's, it's nice being a shepherd. You know, who needs all this trouble? Come on. I just want to go back being an old shepherd. Out there, all by myself. My brothers ain't out there. Come on. Come on, your inner dialogue must be Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And here's the good news. The church ain't a building. The church is me and you. It's in each individual. The power that's working in us. The power, the inner dialogue on the inside of us. Come on, man. Is that he is exceedingly and abundantly enough See, this is the new inner dialogue that has to take place to transform ourselves into giant killers that he is more than enough. Come on, man.
See, when you have an adversary so intent on your destruction, trying to insert plan B, you need to realize you're going to have to get as violent. Come on, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. There is nothing in the Bible more exciting than when you see desperate people and God stopped because of their desperation. Come on. Are you desperate enough to do whatever it takes? Because I'm telling you, the devil, the adversary is desperate enough to try to take you out and insert and get you to settle for plan B. Plan A is to slay giants and dispossess them out of what God is calling you to. Transformation may not look or start out like what we envision. And it may be a struggle. And it may be uncomfortable. Come on, y'all stand with me. Come on, that radical transformation that takes place. It may not always start start out or look like what you thought. Matter of fact, I'm going to go on and venture to say it ain't going to look nothing like what you think. Because here's the deal. Here's what Jesus said. Those who come and fall on the stone and are broken... Those who come and fall on the stone and are willing to break, the stone won't crush them. Here's the thing. God was always waiting for me to break. You're going to have to break. Your pride, your ego, your reputation your way of doing things come on it's going to have to break see there's some that hold forgiveness and they don't forgive and they won't break from that and the enemy uses that to insert plan B and begins to eat away at their very bodies. Come on. Their very happiness, their very joy. And the one they won't forgive, come on. See, sometimes God is waiting for us to break because it's that broken vessel that God uses. It's that broken vessel that he can let out 
the bad perspective that was transforming your life to death, destruction. Come on. And he puts it back together. We just have to break. But if we're willing to go through that process, if we're willing to bear down through it, plan A will manifest itself. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. It said, And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, look, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was disconnected, discontented, gathered to David, and he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men Come on, that didn't look like plan A at the time. You may be going, I've got troubles. I'm in a bind here. I've got things going on that are trying to take me out. And that's where David was. And then all of a sudden, God started sending people like him. Now, I've got all these troubles and now here comes all these people with troubles and you want me to lead these people. Come on, plan B is looking pretty good. Maybe them sheep ain't so stinky after all. Maybe they're not so dumb. Come on, what are you settling for this morning? Just because things around you may not look right, they may not look normal, and it may not be the vision you've envisioned that God put on the inside of you, and maybe you're getting a little bogged down in your what? Come on. Maybe you need to break this morning. Lord, I just I need to break to you. Maybe your inner dialogue, maybe your inner dialogue has got to change. Maybe you've been letting the situation and the circumstances get you down. And your thoughts have been consumed Come on, David said, come on, my soul. Come on, oh, my soul. Come on, I don't know where you're at this morning. Things may be coming at you. Come on, this altar's open right now this morning. You're sitting there going, I don't understand all how this works. You don't have to understand how this works. You just got to break and say, God, I can't, but I'm going to change the inner dialogue this morning to where you're more than enough. I'm tired of being the tail. I want to be the head. I'm tired of being wagged. I want to be a giant killer. Come on, my soul. Don't be shy on me. 
Your inner dialogue has got to begin to change. Not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. Come on, that's where you're at this morning. Not my will, but your will be done. Come on. When all your words fall short, come on. Come on, Reno.